Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Cause I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 139 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC E-Phrase, coming to you live on December 10th, Sunday. Sundays are for Pedialyte and Bad Patriots football, although we already got our win this week, which um, we didn't really want. We didn't want the win. Pedialyte? I mean, at, what, at the age of 30... Bro. What were you getting? You're getting. We had a, we had a, Saturday. yeah, we had a, we had an aggressive Friday, Saturday. We're just, we're getting back. You know what I mean? Sundays are for Pedialyte. This, you know, feel free to sponsor us. Thank you, Pedialyte, for bringing us back for Monday morning. Um, okay, we're gonna jump into it right away. I have been having a debate with a, um, a smart slash dumb friend of mine. He's very smart, but this is a very dumb take, in my humble opinion. His take is that Zion Williamson, the man averaging 22 points, six rebounds, six assists, five assists, is a bust. He has been arguing this for basically his entire career. And his take, which you and I talked about, is that he doesn't play. To me, the definition of a bust is... Someone who had high expectations and did not meet them on the floor, not due to injury. And I will give two prime examples. I do not constitute Greg Oden as a bust. I constitute Darko Milicic as a bust. Sam Bowie as a bust. These guys were picked. Darko was picked over LeBron James, the greatest basketball no, player. No, he was time. picked over Carmelo. Mello, Mello sorry. Mello. We all need to start and with it was, misinformation. And he was, I mean, the ceiling was supposed to be insane for him. Dirk Nowitzki type ceiling, you know, top 50 player of all time type ceiling and was horrible. Here, I'll even throw another guy under the bus. Christian Leitner. Bust. That's a good definition of a bust. Played 10 years in the NBA. Didn't amount, didn't do anything close to what he did in college, clearly. Um and no injuries, no, nothing that kept him out. That is a bust. You can't, you cannot argue that Greg Oden or name another player that career was fell short of injuries. I will not accept that as a, how is that their fault? Some guys are injury prone and or get a career ending injury that I cannot say. We don't even know. We do not know what Greg Oden would have done if he played for 10 years. So to me, the argument has to be that they did not perform to whatever level, objective level you think they are or think they should be, um, and they need at least five to ten years to prove you right or wrong. I also will point out that thus far in year four of Zion Williamson, he has played more games in the first four years than Joel Embiid did. So maybe we could be a little bit patient with him. now. Before you even respond, yeah. there's no argument for me that like 
he needs to be better, lose weight, do the thing, get with back with his trainer, the whole thing. There's, I'm not arguing that. I'm just simply saying, how could you look me in the face and say 22, 6, and 5 is a bust? I don't understand it. So I think two pieces of that. One, I think injuries aside, I think when you look at it, if you want to, even if you want to take injuries out of it, um, obviously his first year he played 24 games. Um, his second year is by far, I mean, it's the only, That's the only year. It's the only year where he's played more than half of the season. And obviously he was great. He had averaged 27 a game. He played 61 games and you can make him okay. Still, he still missed 21. He didn't play in all in 21, 22. He played 29 games last year. And he's played 19 this year. So fair. I, I and and you can make your yeah, 22 points is and and rebounds like those are those are good stats. I still with the with the hype, with the expectation, with the like he's right now, he's 28th in scoring in the NBA. So there's 27 guys like Kyle Kuzma's averaging more points than him. Mikhail Bridges, Paul Anthony Edwards, Desmond Bain. Jalen Brunson, Tyrese, like it's not like it's okay. He's putting up top. He's not an MVP conversation. He's not in like first of all, I see. I think when you talk about expectations as being this number one generational pick that the standard is different than just, yeah, averaging 20 and 10. Like you can, if you look at guys are averaging 20 and 10, like Franz Wagner is averaging 20 and 10. Like you've got guys like this that are, I mean, Chris stops who, that's a whole nother bonus. Like there's yeah, plenty yeah, yeah. of guys that are giving, that can give you those numbers. My thing is if you're, you're going in that this is your franchise cornerstone and yeah, those are fine numbers. Those are good numbers. My issue is more of, and what's come out recently is just how he's taking care of his body and how serious he's taking it because no the doubt. report came out. It was Christian Clark Pelicans reporter. And he said, it says this was after Thursday night and I'm losing. Poor work ethic has been a source of frustration since they drafted him number one overall in 2019. They've tried to surround him with veterans with track records of maximizing their potential. They signed J.J. Redick. They traded for C.J. McCollum. None of it has made an impact. The Pelicans have repeatedly stressed to Williamson that his diet and conditioning need to improve. Multiple sources have told the times McEwen that he just doesn't listen. And so my the reason why it's, and I'm not calling literally today a bust, I think he's on that track because I don't see – Within the way that this is progressing and the way that he looks shape wise and injury history wise, I don't see how in the next three years he gets to the level of a of 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 what we thought he was going to be of of a generational type player. I just it's hard for me given his injury history and how he looks to be tre- take treating his body and taking things seriously. I just have a hard time believing that like he's getting you're ever going to get more than what he's doing right now for you. Again. No argument on he needs to be better trained, without a doubt. And figure it out, man. Like, get healthy, do all the work. Like, if he treated his body like LeBron did, then, yeah, we're not even close to having this conversation. But I need you to define a bust. What's a bust? What is your definition? To me, is there's a significant gap between his expectations and what he actually does on the court. So okay, I think but- it can be different for different people. I think when the stakes are higher with a number one pick and number one overall pick, and you don't achieve the level of expectation that people expect you to, that that's that 
that's a bust. Like no one is saying that he's the worst player. He hasn't proved obviously he's averaging 22 and five. That's good. That's great. Like I I'd take that on the Knicks right now. I'd be fine with it. But I, <laughs> I also think that like at the same time though, the expectation or the thought was that he was going to be a bona fide, like first, second team, all NBA guy every year. And I, I just, I don't know how they, how, how, they, how he gets there in my opinion. So then let's, let's break it down even further. Leitner had maybe not as hype just because we were five years old and you know, the media train was not the media train in 1992 or three, whenever he graduated too. Um, but he's, he's a guy who lottery pick arguably the best college basketball player of all time supposed to be a savage. His career stats are awful. Mm -hmm. My question to you is there has to be, that's a big difference. Like if you're supposed to be that good and you're bad, my argument is that Zion isn't bad. It's not bad, but he's not like you can't sit here and tell me that the Pelicans are happy with what they've gotten out of it and that they're optimistic that of the future. Like I can't I I as a but Pelicans, that's if a different I was a Pelicans argument. fan, if I was a Pelicans argument. fan, I would be significantly disappointed of what I've gotten out of Zion Williamson for the first like four years, four, five, yeah, of, his, five years. of his career. So yeah. if he if he plays twelve years, if he has a twelve year NBA career and he doesn't win a championship or anything like that, and he finishes with twenty two and nine as career averages, yeah. bust. In my, I think so. When you look, I mean, especially when you've got now that's insane. Guys, for different of issues. I don't, how is that an insane take? If you, if uh, there's so much weight on the number one pick and they've shaped their franchise around one person, if that person cannot be the, uh, the player that pushes them into relevancy, then yeah, then it's like you've wasted a decade of the franchise investing in this one person that you expected to be that, and he's not. Doesn't mean he's, he's not a good player, but he's not a he, he's not what he was picked to be. So Anthony Deon- Bennett, De- Deon- Anthony Deon- Bennett, bust. Deon- well, he, he, okay, but man, that's a perfect example. Ooh. Oh my God, the difference between those two guys out of the but, league. But both can be true. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. I see that. I disagree. Like, I like, there's no way they both can be true. One guy so is you, averaging you just 20. Say it with like, so then what's, I guess this would be my question for you. What is, what's your label then for if, if it's just like a I disappointment? Like a dark. Disapp- no, no, no. You have to like not function. You have to be awful to be a bust. So, but we can't hold guys to the standard of where they're drafted and where they're expected to be. Cause that's, then it's just, that I said, do you call just a disappointment? Cause you can't say that he has lived up to expectations. So if the label's not bust, then what is the label right now? Bust might the- be too harsh. You could be, I, I, I agree. I, I agree that that it might be too harsh, especially right now, but there has to be some sort of label you can put on it. All right. Then Deandre Ayton's a bust. Markel Fultz is a bust. Anthony Bennett's a bust. Uh, Greg Oden's a bust. Andre Bargnani bust. I, I mean, mean, how how I'm long? Not, I mean, I'm not Kwame, sure. Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. That's the, a good the, example. Probably the that's the bust. Yeah. Michael Oluwakande bust. Oluwakande yes. bust. Derek Coleman. No, there's plenty. There are bust. there are plenty, and there 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 are plenty. I I, I get that. My but. Okay, it, here's I, a good I, one. Let's get let's get. To, so you're uh, saying should should people be happy that like the number one pick and the most hyped player in the last like outside of Wimby of the last decade is giving you twenty two and five? 
Yeah. In his fifth season. Here we go. Ralph Sampson. Yeah, you can. He'll probably. He was. A, he was a bust in the NBA, and that. And that's an. That's completely injury, and that's why I'm putting aside. Like I don't think this is all injury. I think this is him, clearly not like, putting basketball first. The dude. The dude. I mean, Ralph Sampson averaged more than 16 points a game for his first six years. I know he was hurt. I mean, hurt. I get I'm it. The, I, the biggest Ralph. I, yeah, I would say bust. yeah. He he was a bust in the NBA. He's also okay. in the Hall of Fame. Okay. He's also the only time. Yeah. But like, that's my point. He was the number one overall pick. He did not live up to those standards. And okay. and so, yeah, like he's not Hakeem Olajuwon. Like Hakeem Olajuwon lived up to that. So like, right. I, there's a, I think there's right now you and I, we're looking at this like there's polar. It's either you're a success or you're a bust. I think if, well, that's the argument bust, that I've been arguing is that like, you can't the, say that he's a success at this point. He's averaging 20. You could get 22 and six off of, Plenty of guys. At any, I'm not, at no, any... no, wait, wait, wait. I'm not arguing he's a success. I'm arguing he's not a bust. So then, That's what's it. your turn? What would you? How would you? What's the word that you would categorize Zion Williamson? Then it's not under. Bust, it's not success. underperforming. Underperforming. That's it. He's or disappointing. Disappointing. Sure. My, that's I, like that's I. I'm fine not labeling a bust, but you. I, I think you can't skirt the fact and be like, yeah, Zion playing like a quarter of the season in most of these games and giving you 22 and six or 22 and five. Again, is not, it's not I'm, success. My argument is not that he can't be better and should be better. And like, you know, you got JJ going after him and like, dude, like something's got to happen with him clearly. And like, if you remember a year, he showed up at the press conference. He was looking like he lost like 40 pounds. He like kind of did it. And then I don't know what happened again, but yeah, I to me that's I don't know. Now I'm gonna now I, I'm gonna make this argument for every single number one pick of all time. I mean, Cade Cunningham. Are we not happy with his production in the last three no, years? No, because I, like, I mean, no. So he's a bust. There's a different. I mean, it's literally his like second. He's he's is his second year. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that's and also like he's. I mean, he's literally giving you the exact, pretty much the exact same numbers as Zion. He's averaging. He's actually averaging more rebounds than Zion. That should be alarming, in my opinion. Like they're both averaging twenty-two a game, twenty-two point two compared to twenty-two. Kate Cunningham's averaging six. Zion's averaging, or no, excuse me, that is. Um, let's go rebounds. Let's, re let's see rebounding numbers. Zion Williamson, uh, great radio here, is averaging five point <laughs> six. Kate, Cun okay, three point eight, but he's giving you seven point three assists. And like, yeah, so you're right. Like no one like. This is a different. I think that we're at, we have enough of sample size on Zion to be like, yeah, like this is. You got to stay healthy. Part of part of listen. Part of being a pro is figuring it out. I get that. And you got to decide though. You, you you feel comfortable like what Stephen A said. Like he's walking the line with a belly hanging out right now. Like, and the, Again, the team is unbelievably frustrated because he's not he's not in shape. Agreed on all fronts, other than he the label bust. I mean, it's that's wild to me wild it's not the book is not closed and that's why i was like there's yes, not agreed the book and is i will not closed. say he could be but he's not now yeah like if he gets and, and another I guess, injury and I, I will agree that's fair i will agree with you on that point i think he's on a track i that's my i guess the reason why i would take the other side of this is i think he's on track to being a bust unless something drastic happens here 
between this season and next season that turns them around because yeah. I don't think the Pelicans after like this season or next season feel confident of, of like, we want to keep moving forward with all of our plans being around him. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. I think if you look at the track, if you look at, if the expectations are up here and he's sitting down here on the mountain, like, I don't think he's climbing back up the mountain to get back towards that status. I think it's a negative trajectory. Um, and yeah, I hope, I like, honestly, I think for the league, for him, for your brotherhood narrative, you kind of, you need him to, you not need him, but like, I, it's better for everything. If Zion is a marquee figure in the NBA, I, I think it's better for everyone. It's just, because he's a type of player we really haven't seen. Um, shoot, I wanted him on the Knicks. Like, yeah, clearly, like we, everyone wanted him. And even before this season, I probably like, I can't stand Julius Randle. I probably would have swapped Thanks. the two just to take that flight because of the upside, the potential. But if I had to put money on going either direction, if I think there's more of a chance of him meeting or getting close to expectations versus being able to bust, I'm probably going to go on that side. But Okay, to wrap this up then. Your final explanation slash definition of a bust is not based on actual numbers. It's based on the difference between hype and what they're producing. I think so. I it think does it. There's no like. There's no floor. Because to no, me, I, in my if, opinion, is yeah, it's relative to your expectations. Okay, got it. That's all I needed. That's now fine. we're gonna. Now we're gonna stay on that point. And you had to make. You had to bring Ralph Sampson this conversation. That's I had listen. Had to. I mean, anyway, let's talk about other high expectations. Bronny James supposed to play today. Probably sub. Not many people will be able to watch it because it's on the Pac-12 network. <laughs> what happens to that network next year? Um, what happened? I think you and I texted about this, but like truly, this is how my mind works. What are the employees of the Pac-12 doing? Like, I know they have work conference. this year, but still like conference, <laughs> and it's still and it's still like. What are they They're doing? hoping to rebuild it. Mountain West, it's gonna we'll see what happens with the scheduling agreement and we'll see what where it takes us, but like it's not dead in the water. Yeah, crazier things have happened. How do we feel about um Bronny maybe playing, or at least he's expected to play? Um, that type of expectation, if you will. What do we expect from Bronny in game one? Not a crazy off the bench. Yeah. Get some wind. Like it's good now. They're honestly, I mean, it's good that it's happening now in a home game against Long Beach State because yeah. the next game on the 70th, they go at Auburn. They go, then they're they and then they get Alabama State at um that's interesting. They play at Alabama State on December 19th. I wonder how that worked itself out. Um, I'm assuming there's someone on the team that is from maybe Alabama or some reason they're playing at Alabama state who's currently Ken Palm ranked 323rd in the country. Um, All right. But that they got, they go at Auburn, they go at Oregon and then or at Oregon state. Like I don't, I mean, not that it, it's, I be, I'm glad that he's getting a chance right now to get um, yeah, a, so a little bit of experience before they're going, like you're going into Arizona or at UCLA or like, the, bright, the lights are always going to be bright there, um, and they're coming off a loss to Gonzaga. They haven't looked awesome. They've lost to UC Irvine, Oklahoma, and Gonzaga, so they've not really reached their own expectations so far. They've fallen from 21st to 35th in Kempom. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not expecting him to have any takeover performance or it'd be, hey, 25 and, and 10, like, Bronny's here. It's I think it's going to be 
get him in for a four minute spurt we get him in for another four minute and give him like eight to 10 in the second half. Like I think 20 minutes would be, it might even be a stretch 20 minutes. I think you get him out there for like maybe 12, 15 minutes, let him get his feet wet. Um, and it's just kind of progressively and gradually get to a point where he can be a significant contributor for that team. Agreed. Um, all right. I know we got a bunch of things to talk through. I do want to start with my national champion, the Arizona Wildcats. Um, beat Wisconsin handedly uh, last night. Um, they are 8-0. The big one coming up next Saturday is Purdue. That is going to be uh, fascinating to watch because I think Arizona has – what are they in defense? I mean, they are got to be top five defense in the country. Um, they are – they're um, second in – fifth in second, offense, second in defense. Yeah, they have and been, it's even more impressive. They're second in defense, and they play at the fourth quickest pace in the country. Yeah, man. They have, you know, impressive wins, beat Michigan State, beat Duke, beat Wisconsin – if they, I mean, they go Purdue um, on the oh no, it's no, it's it's yeah. technically neutral site, but it's in Indianapolis at the Pacers Arena, so that yeah. is a home game for for Purdue. Yeah, and then Alabama, and then yeah. they're into and Alabama you know, is, I believe, at it's, it's a semi home. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's in Phoenix, so it's yeah, that's why the Purdue is like semi away. It's it's geographically very close to Tucson, but it's not their home arena. And yep. Same as Purdue, so it's. I mean, first of all, I think we've mentioned before, but like credit to Tommy Lloyd. Yo, coach of the year Duke, candidate. At Duke, they've got um neutral site, obviously, against um a, a win over Michigan State. Um they've got Purdue at or excuse me, Wisconsin at home, basically Purdue on the road, Alabama basically. I mean, credit to him. I, and and part of that I do think will help because the Pac 12 is not overloaded with talent. So like to be able to get those quad one marquee wins early is enormous um i i don't know how i'll say this i don't there i don't see any possible chance that arizona falls off of a two line i think there's i would put my house i would put my house (laughs) i'll I'll, I'll go i would put um i'll put my my um i'll put my garage on the uh on them being a one seed i feel very confident like i don't see how they're going to get knocked off of the one line. I don't think there's any chance that they're going to be tested enough. And in, in, unless they drop like four straight somehow in some crazy weird way that they would ever fall off of a, a top two line. Agreed. Um, I also think it's the best thing that ever happened to Caleb love. Like he has to, he is held accountable. Like, I don't think he was at not. I don't think he wasn't at Carolina at all. He could do whatever he wanted, which kind of led to his downfall there. Um, but Arizona's got guys. So like, if he gets a little, like you can just come sit, bro. Like you got to fall into the offense a little bit, which I think has been really good for him. Now I I would love to point out this stat because I was his freshman year at Carolina. He was shaky. Um, I'm just looking at offensive rating. Um, Um, and if you want to compare his years, his first year at Carolina, it was shaky, has moments. This was 21, um, an offensive rating of 87.1, um, Nothing incredible. His second year, uh, obviously the final four year in the the national championship appearance, offensive rating of 101.5. Last year, takes a step back, 98 offensive rating of 98.7. His all now, granted, smaller sample size for only eight games, but it's been clearly gets good competition. 
offensive rating of 117.2. Yep. So there's been a significant, significant leap. Um, even though he's not shoot like he's only shooting 30% from three. Yeah, it's which not is, great. It's the same as he shot last year at Carolina. It's down from his sophomore year. Um, but from two, like last he shot crazy thing. His sophomore year at Carolina he shot 38% from two. Last year he shot 45%. He's shooting 54.5% from two. Shooting 80% from 80% from the line. He's getting the line. His free throw is 26.6%. Um, and then his turnover rate is is down as well. I mean, it's significantly down for his freshman, but each year he's gotten his turnover rate down from 24.6 to 17.9 to 15.2 to 14.2. So he's just I feel like he's in a much more comfortable scenario. He's he's meshing and everything is kind of piecing itself together so far. Yeah, man. Uh, Arizona is ridiculously impressive. Um, I'm terrified of them. Uh, but let's transition to our teams. Um, Duke stinks. I've been screaming that from the rafters for the last four or five weeks. Not even four or five weeks, two weeks maybe. Um, the loss to Georgia Tech was atrocious. Now, you lose to Incredibly Arkansas. unexpected too. Yeah, not, like, I thought that Arkansas would be like a wake-up call. Like Agreed. Agreed. You don't and, see that Georgia Tech game, at least happening at like first ACC game. Of C, you don't see that happening usually. No. And I also think we're going to get to them, but I think this is the year that, I mean, maybe this is a hot take that Duke and Carolina don't win the ACC. Now, we've been duped by Clemson before. I'm pretty sure last year they were like 18 and four and missed the tournament. So we have been duped by Clemson, but they're nine and oh. We'll get to Clemson later. Um, Duke finally takes care of business in a, a normal blue blood fashion at home last night against Charlotte. Um, but something's wrong with them, man. Like Trilly had a post a couple uh, weeks ago or whenever that there's some sort of potential locker room thing going on. Who knows if that's true or not, or if not the any, brotherhood, no way, not, yeah, you know, I'm going to smack you. Um, so I don't know what that means or if that's anything real. All I know is that for the first time yesterday against Charlotte, Duke ran offense. It was the first time all year. They put in their traditional multi, the side to side ball screen slip offense that they've been running for 15 years. Um, they had like off ball movement for the first time all year. And would you look at that? They win by basically th- almost 30 points. Um, now it's Charlotte, but they have struggled with bad teams even before this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not high on them at all. I think Filipowski has been, you want to talk about underperforming everyone has, but they just don't have an offense. That's my that. question for you. And obviously Tyrese Proctor didn't play. Yeah. That was brutal. Uh, too. Hurt. Yeah. You could make an argument. Probably. I think this was, if you look game by game, this would have been, yeah, this was, Jeremy Roach's best game of the season. He, he's been solid the last four. He's had like the, offensive like rating wise. Like it's by far an offensive rating of 174. Like the close he had to that was like 134 against Arkansas. Yeah. 132 against Dartmouth. Like, is that an issue? Like, are you worried about the two of them? Like is, is, do you think they would be better if they weren't playing together? If that makes sense. Like, Proctor and Roach. Yeah. No, yeah, you can't, you can't split them up. I don't but obviously, but is that, the fact that he had such a good game without having Proctor also there as a guard with him. Is that, do you put any credence in that? I don't because they've been good together before they will continue to be good together. And I think they bring drastically different things. Tyrese has been 
like it doesn't look it, but he's been their most consistent player. I would argue even more than Flip. Like when Tyrese has the ball on the ball screen, good things happen. It's everything else around the ball screen that is bad. Um, so no, I, I think they're fine. And again, what are you gonna do? Any you're just gonna slip in another guard, but McCain's gonna come in, Foster's gonna come. It's the same kind of dynamic. I know they're not the same players. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Something's been off with them all year. They don't have any like juice or like shit to them. Like there's no like, I don't know. It just feels off. And uh, I'm not saying that they can't get to the sweet 16. You know, right now they're projected. I mean, Ken Palm's been wrong three times um, so far because I'm pretty sure they were projected to win every game. Um, only two more losses. Baylor in a couple weeks and then at North Carolina. But that's not going to happen. I promise you that. The Clemson's going to get them. You don't have to come to Charlottesville. Without yeah, Baylor. thank God. Yeah, actually, Virginia, you guys will probably get them. Like th- no, this- no, we don't. I don't think. I mean, it's only it's one game. It's Saturday, March second, right for the in in Durham. Like I don't know if that sets up well for for Virginia. But either way, tell us about give me give me the UVA update. Oh, UVA. I mean, South. very like obviously they got drubbed. I think we haven't recorded since then. They got drubbed by Wisconsin on November twentieth um, down in in Florida. Forty one points. We went from like they got back in the top twenty five. They were like nineteenth in Ken Palm. They got smoked. And then everyone immediately jumped off the bus, like immediately. <laughs> I, I, and I've got, trust me, I've got bookmarks. Of you got things. the receipts? I've got, I've got plenty of receipts. Trust me. Because, and, and I think you tagged me in something on Twitter about. Yeah, um, somebody was like down on where, where they find scoring from and yada, 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 and, and all these things. And then, I mean, right after that, obviously, and they struggle a little bit with West Virginia. They follow that up, and so they're they're sitting right now. They're eight and one. Obviously, the Wisconsin game was just an absolute mess, but they have a home win against Texas A and M, which will be a quad one win. Yep, they won eighty four to sixty two against Syracuse at home. Which, granted, like okay, eighty four points for a Virginia team. No matter if that's Brogdon, Joe Hare, like that's that's with the amount of possessions they play, great. Like it, it's not eighty four points against Tarleton State game one like it, it's still Jude immense it's still mm-hmm. ACC talent and then they they looked really good against North Carolina Central I think the biggest thing from that everyone talked about um now great I don't think if he was healthy they would have beaten Wisconsin but Isaac McNeely is that 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 score that they need and you look the last two games he sprained his ankle against NCANT he didn't play against Texas Southern he clearly wasn't right in Florida but then now that he's gotten right the last two games, he's scored 22 points in each against Syracuse and NC Central. He was six of eight from three in both of those games. And so for him allowing them to space the floor and give Beekman a chance to be able to create, to give Dunn, like Dunn's, Dunn's not going to be a 20 a point per game score, but he's the best defense. Like, I truly believe in my heart of hearts, and obviously I'm biased, that Beekman and Dunn are the solid top two defenders in the league. And that and well, he's also, you know, Ryan Dunn's also your highest offensive rated player, which I didn't see coming. Yeah. And I, and there's not a ton of volume there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but and and he's looking to expand. Like he's going to need to be able to knock down a shot in terms of career wise. Like he can guard truly anybody. I mean, last year when they played mm-hmm. Duke, like he was the whole reason when they played like when they played Duke, they just put him on flip and he's athletic enough that he could play and he played against him a bunch in high school. But, I mean, Beekman won defensive player of the year last year. He mm-hmm. should have won it the year before against Mark Williams. I mean, get into that. But then there, I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt. 
I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Ryan Dunn would be, is the front runner this year because some of the numbers he puts up in terms of blocks and steals, even looking the last, I mean, he had against Texas A&M, he had five blocks and three steals against Wisconsin, five blocks, two steals. He had uh, um Florida game. He had six steals, like, and he can really guard and he can truly guard anybody. And so right now, like this is more of, we talk the, the defense is ranked fourth in the country on Ken Palm right now. They're number one effective field goal percentage. They kill it and they, they go, they play Northeastern on Saturday. They get huge break. They're off. They played Tuesday and they don't on the fifth. They don't play till the 16th um, academics first in Charlottesville. Ah. Um, the interesting one they'll play, they go at Memphis December. I know 19th. you're projected to lose. I mean, it's one point, but that's interesting. Um, It'll be a really, really good test um, yeah. because if you look at like what what Memphis does well um, in terms of offense, I mean they are they're, they're decent. Off- it'll be, I mean, they're a much more athletic team. Like Quinterly and Caleb Mills will be interesting to see how they they guard. They losing, um, I can't even think of the kid that they just lost that um, is not going to be the team the rest of the season. But the biggest thing, and I've said this long, is their Achilles heel will and can and will be uh depending on what it is is rebounding i mean they just don't have a ton of i mean they are jordan brown on the defensive side they are 292nd in offense they're giving up 33.3 percent of those chances on the offense of on the defensive class they're letting those turn into offensive rebounds and so mm. rebounding scares me um but they have like they can do a lot of different lineups um what's your early what's your early ceiling on them Ceiling is like I I do think I would I today sit here and say I think they're going to win the ACC. No, I don't think they're that. I do think I feel very confident, like I did going the season, they'll be top four in the ACC, like they pretty much always are. Um, I think ceiling is like if they did win the ACC, I I think like three or I think a three or four seed is probably what makes sense. Um, I think they'll fall probably anywhere between like four a four and six seed. Um, which I I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, this is a young, it's, it's a young kind of brand new team outside of Beekman. Um, guys really only have had like one year experience. There's a lot of growth now. Can they make a run? Like, yeah, they have, there's a lot of guys that can make shots. Um, Beekman can create roadie can shoot it and create Dunn can make plays. McNeely can shoot it. Groves can shoot it from the outside. It's just, can they rebound enough? that when you have these long 28, 29 second possessions that you're guarding your yard, you're absolutely locking them down that you're not, you can't do that. That's not a wasted effort. And then they're getting an offensive rebound and put back where it's like, that's where as good as those defensive metrics can be. It's like, you got to be able to grab the ball. And so I, I I still feel great about this team. I I didn't go into expectations of it being um, like a powerhouse team, but the, the fact they're sitting here eight and one, Everyone killed them off against Wisconsin, and I feel I'm going in. They they also it does help too. They're like they start with Syracuse and they go for eight, the other other ACC games. They go at Louisville or at Notre Dame, Louisville at home, at NC State and Wake. They get like they don't play. If you say if you consider the power teams the ACC, Clemson, Miami, Duke, Carolina, they don't play any of them until February third. They go at Clemson. That's and then great. They get. They get one game against Carolina at home in late February, one game against Duke on the road in late March. Um, And so that's why I I think they'll be top four because they're not having – they only play Miami once as well. Like 
it's not a murderer's row schedule like it could be, um, but that's just a product of the ACC just being yeah. At this I'm point. so happy you said that. There's, I mean, at this point, it's December 10th, and the ACC only has three teams with one loss. Everyone else has multiple losses, yeah. and Clemson obviously undefeated. So it's you, it's Virginia, Miami, Clemson, everyone else. I mean. The bottom is yeah. the bottom. The bottom's the bottom. The bottom. That's that, and that's really differentiates. I feel like itself. That's why it's. We talked about this before. It's so important for these ACC teams to get marquee non-conference wins because Dude. you don't have the benefit of the Big Twelve of everyone being pretty good, like top to bottom. Like hundred percent. And there aren't like. I watched Cincinnati Xavier last night. I've watched West Virginia a few times. If you're saying those are the worst teams in the Big Twelve, they're those are easily like middle of the pack. ACC teams because they're like a, the Jordan, no offense to Duke, but like the Georgia Techs, the Notre Dames, the Louisville's, like all those are 124, 164, 176, and like Ken Palm and like yeah. Florida State's 88. Like we don't have even Florida State is like that. BC's 98. Like in Big 12, I'm pretty sure it's, it's not even, um, let's see, I'm looking at the Big 12, the last two teams in there. Yeah. It's, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, like those teams are West Virginia's 126, Oklahoma State's 92, UCF 71. Every other team in Texas Tech is in the top 46. Mm. <laughs> it's like so yeah, it's disgusting. It's, a, it's 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 so you that's it it does. It weighs the conference down a little bit by having those teams that are really just not there. But um that I, I think honestly, and I and we were gonna talk about it and we teased a little bit, I think it sets up really well for Clemson to have a big time year where they have an opportunity to actually win the ACC. Yeah. I think, I think this is as good as a year. Although again, they were 18 and four last year. They were. Let's, and I then, want to reference and, back to this to make sure I, I want to reference back that they were, yeah, they were started eight. And right. Two. Yeah. They started eight and two. They started 15 and three and seven and no in the ACC. 18 and four. And then they lose Boston college, Miami, North Carolina. So like Miami was really good. Like, like two of those losses aren't bad. BC is a bad one. Then they beat Florida State, lose to Louisville. My God, uh, beat Syracuse, beat NC State, lose to you guys. I mean, then their lose issue. To- this is I think their issue last year. They, Duke was eight, like eighteen. That was their one marquee win. Their yeah. next best win was Penn State, who was thirty six. And Penn State was a good team last year. They beat them in double overtime at home in like November. And then outside of that, like all of their wins were against, it was like their best win past that was like NC State, who was on that eight nine line last year. Like Virginia Tech, who didn't make, they didn't beat a lot of teams that made the tournament. Um, the good thing, if you look at who they've played so far this year, they've beaten at least quality. They've already have, I think, more quality wins. They don't have the Duke marquee win yet, but they just beat TCU, who I know TCU's been down like that. They were, I mean, they were seven and one. Yeah, they didn't really game. play anybody, but played it's, anybody. It's still a good that was win. TCU's first test, but that's still a good win. Yep. South Carolina was undefeated before they played them. They beat them by five. South Carolina was fifty fourth, and it was the same thing. It was like um, a little bit untested, but they win that. They beat Pittsburgh. They won at Alabama, which like Alabama's thirteenth right now. Boise State, like Boise is. I know they've lo- they lost to Clemson, Tech, and Butler, but like. Boise's still a very good team. They they beat um they beat St. Mary's. They beat VCU. I still feel good um about Leon Rice and that team. So like they're quite and they play they've played better teams. They played they played Davidson, an A10 team. They played Boise State, a Mountain West team. They played Alabama, obviously an SEC. 
We've got Pittsburgh, South Carolina. They've played like one team basically of every conference. It's SEC in South Carolina, Big 12 and TCU. And then they go uh, they go Saturday at Memphis. The biggest thing, and I don't, have you watched them much? No, like for like a half. PJ, PJ, PJ. Hall, right? Like PJ Hall, everyone knew about going. Balling. I don't think people talk about PJ Hall like on the national scale, I guess just because it's Clemson. Ball. You look at the Ken Palm player of the year standings, like Zach Eady, far and away, like efficiency is out of the roof. Like he's number one. Terrence Shannon, Illinois, is two. Filipowski's three. PJ Hall is fourth. Like yeah. ahead of ahead of Hunter Dickinson, ahead of Dalton Connect, ahead of Jaden Ledee and Tristan Newton, and ahead of Baylor Shireman. Like it is like there's plenty of guys that we've all been talking about. I don't think we're talking about PJ Hall enough. PJ Hall is a monster. Bro. And he's he's leading the he should be in the top five of like one, how is this guy still in college? And two, how is he not a Duke Blue Devil? He kills me every time. He kills Duke every time. How did we not recruit this guy? Followed up by who I love Cam um, Spencer on UConn. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. When he was talking shit to Baycott, I don't want to go down. We'll go down that rabbit hole after, but that was awesome. Um, no, I agree with you, dude. PJ Hall. The fantastic. other, the last piece I want to talk about on Clemson and, and I saw a tweet. I don't remember who it was. Um, and I, and I really looked at him like, is there been a more underrated transfer portal addition? this season than Joe Girard. Like, I feel like Dude. because of what Syracuse had been the last few years that we just kind of discounted Joe Girard, this dude is a bucket and you put him in a system. I remember when he was in high school playing for city rocks and Christian was at BC recruiting him. And everyone's like, Oh, aren't you worried about the size? Aren't you worried about that? And he goes, the, the ball, the, the hoop's still the same height ball goes in the bucket. Like that dude can shoot. Yep. If you look at his last few games, I mean, you date even Davidson went five for 12. I'm going to read off these against the last, like he went, this is from three, three of six, three of nine, four of seven, then six of nine against Pitt, two of five against South Carolina, three of eight um, against TCU. So he's averaging like three, four threes a game. And the last year, 21 points, 12 points, 25, 16, like he is filling it up. And, and especially when you've got a guy like PJ Hall, like you're worrying about having to always find Joe Girard and get a buy and get a hand. It frees up PJ Hall so much more. Very similar to um, the, honestly, if they had the kid, I can't even think of his name that last year um, that went to the league or at least went early. Um, Hunter Tyson. If mm. Hunter Tyson had come, right. come back, but you had an extra, I guess he was at his fifth year. Um, man, I, I would say like, it's a top 10 team. I don't, I think they have a chance to win the ACC. I don't, I'm never going to fully trust them, but same thing. They play Duke once they play Carolina twice. They do get Carolina twice. Um, they play that. This will, I think their, their real test is going to be Saturday, January 6th at home. They play Carolina. Um, and that'll be a really big point of deembarkation because that we'll, we'll see if they're if they're for real or not but i i'm i'm very high on the clemson team they're 27th in offense and 32nd in defense so they fit that mold of a evenly balanced team how let's talk about tennessee carolina did you watch that game it was like a week ago or so carolina was blowing the doors off of them um and then here comes your boy dalton connect who is a savage I mean, he's a beast, man. slowly, not not slowly. That's the wrong word. 
like kind of quietly all of a sudden you looked up and he had like 29 and and Tennessee went from down like 27 to like 11 like kind of got him back in it he is he finished with 37 points he was yeah, nine bro. of nine from two four of eight from three seven of eight from the free throw line I like, like I went I walked away from that game thinking all right Carolina's good and Dalton connects the best player on the floor yeah I mean I think Carolina I feel better. Like I feel decent about Carolina as a team. Um, yeah, bro. I, think, I mean, talk about scheduling though. You look at, I mean, Tennessee, they, they went, they lost to Purdue by four. They lost to Kansas by nine. They lost to Carolina by eight. When it's honestly, I know they gave up a hundred. It could have been way worse than that. Like, yep. as like they, they did fight back and then they looked, Tennessee looked really good yesterday against Illinois. I thought they were back home. Yeah. Um, I, I think their, their defense is still fifth. They're, they're fifth in defense. They're 28th in offense. Um, do I trust Zakai Ziegler to like be the point guard? I, I I don't. It's a weird thing where I wish that Dalton Connect was like a lead guard. They do have the guy that can get him a bucket. Like I I think I would probably if there's any guy in the country outside of maybe just Zach Eady and just like on in the post. I'm like hey, I need to just get a bucket and I can give it to one guy. Probably going Dalton Connect. Like I'm very very high on him. Um, He's... I just don't know like. If he's not your primary ball handler, that's going to continue to be Zakai Ziegler. And um, Josiah Jordan James is, is, is looked good, but it's kind of the same thing where I always have a little worry with Purdue, too. It's like, yeah, you got to get the ball to Zach Eady. And do they have the guys that are going to be able to do that and not turn the ball over in pressure situations, um, not crumble? Dude, do you think there's any chance that he can win, that Connect can win National Player of the Year? No, because I think it's Eady. You think it's Edie no matter what? Pretty much. Dude, the, what Edie does for them is like just you can't guard them. It's like, what are you supposed to do? Like, are you yeah. we talked about this with Billy a million times? Like, do you full front? Do you double every time he gets it? They have shooters outside. It's it's what he does and and the matchup nightmares that and here's the other thing. He, he can shoot free five. He, he can shoot free throws. Five and seven last night it's, yesterday dude, against Alabama. And here's the thing, man. I know we joke about Purdue every year. They just need to – I know this is going to sound like no shit, but, like, as, as soon as they get past their first game, everything will go away, just like what happened with Virginia. Yeah. You guys lost, and then you got past it, and then it was over. Like, that, that all that shit goes away, and now we just hoop. That's what Purdue needs. Yeah. But oh Dude, when people God. acted like Northwestern beating them was like – Northwestern is not Georgia. And once again, it's not – I'm not meaning it's like a knock on Duke again, but, like, there's a difference in Northwestern beating you at home in Georgia Tech. Like oh. Northwestern, no like Boo Booey is one of the better players in the country. Like Northwestern last year no went doubt. 22 and 12, and they made the they won a game in the tournament. Like so, I, I, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe because it's like Northwestern." And yeah, like I don't know if anyone ever expected Purdue to run the table this year. No, um, yeah, of course not. Of course not. There were there's still some flaws there, but like I. I mean, I had before the season, it wasn't like crazy odds or anything, but I had Purdue to win the Big Ten. I still don't think there's any doubt that they run through the Big Ten. Like there's yeah. their best, comp their biggest competition is probably Illinois or Wisconsin at this point. Um, I don't think yeah. Michigan State's going to be that team. No, um, definitely not. They're projected to win out. I mean, I know it's Ken Palm and that's crazy. Yeah. And Arizona, obviously, like we talked about, that's the big one. Um, but they probably get by Arizona. I mean, to, it says semi home. I mean, it's like two hours down the road. In my opinion, the win against. Alabama yesterday. Um, it was a neutral site. I think it was at Mark Sears went off. 
And yeah. so did Bama, dude. They hit 13 threes in the it first was, half. It was in, in, yeah, in, it was in Canada, I believe. Yeah, they play in Canada. I think and so. I think you're right. That win, in my opinion, is more um, – I, I think – Everyone's going to talk about Northwestern win. I think that win yesterday means more because the whole thing we talk about is the Big Ten is it's so many of those teams play the same exact style. They play the same type of way. They're all and, – and and that's and then when they get to the tournament, they're playing different teams. The games are officiated differently. And that's been like the knock of like, oh, well, once the Big Ten gets in the tournament, they're not playing against each other in the same style. Like that's where they fold. No one in the Big Ten really plays like Alabama. Like no one plays as fast as Alabama. No one is. And, and so, I mean, their, their offense is the fourth quickest um, pace in the country. Alabama is the number one mm-hmm. offense in the country right now, metrics wise. Yep. And that win, I think I felt, I feel as weird as this is, I feel like I feel better about as we sit here today on December 10th, I feel better about Purdue now than I did even before the Northwestern loss because, okay, great. You lost Northwestern, so you're bound and you beat a really, really good team with great guards in Alabama that really controlled a lot of that game early and they still found a way to win. Like that was a really, really impressive win. No doubt. Um, all right, let's Alabama wrap up. Too. I, I just want to point that out. There's you talk about all these people scheduling, give credit to Nate Oates. They play, no they, they had Ohio state, Oregon, Clemson, their stretch right now. They lost to Purdue Saturday. Next Saturday, they go at Creighton who's sixth. Oh. And then the Wednesday after that, they have a, they play Arizona in Phoenix. So we're playing number three, number six, and number two in a eleven day span, like over exams and Christmas, and like that's a that's that that is a tough road before you jump into SEC play. Um. All right, let's wrap up with these two things. Um, we got to give credit to our guy, longstanding friend, follower, um, Steve Peichel, Dylan Harper. Okay. Listen, that's that's historic, man. That's historic to get that level of a commit. That I think that boosts them up to a top five class next year, which yeah. I don't think has ever happened. Ever. And I don't think they can even fall out of the top five with how high those du- those dudes are. Yeah. yeah, like they like Pykel is here to stay a force. Um, that's that's uh, and and couldn't happen to a better uh, dude. So. Um, Amazing. I mean, Ace, Ace Bailey is Ace Bailey was already third in the country. Um, They're going to be a problem. And he signed letter of intent. Dylan uh, Dylan Harper obviously just committed number two in the country. Like number two and number three. Like there's only a couple teams that are like usually doing that. And it's the Duke. It's Kentucky. Yeah. And now Rutgers basketball. Rutgers. Ba- yeah. So anyway, um, we'll see. I mean, Dylan Harper is going to be Pike. Yeah. Oof, I mean, amazing. The Rats going to be amazing. jumping. I mean, I, if you're the only thing I think it's funny of that is like they're sitting here like Rutgers like six and three. They're seventy fourth in Ken Palm. I feel like as a fan, it's got to be hard to like almost like not enjoy this seat, but like your eyes are just so much on next year. Yeah, that um, it's it makes it a little bit tough. And, and they're not That's fair. Like, they're not great. I don't think they're going to be a tournament team this year. And so um, it's just kind of a waiting game. But um, did you see the game. did you see the little controversy with Woj? Oh, about him announcing it before Harper could. It's it sucks. I hate yeah, that. I know. I really hate that. It's like let the kid have his moment. Yeah, let him do it the way he wants to. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, shout like Joe Tipton that does that. Like Joe Tipton could leak any anything. anything that he wants because they're all coming to him to make these graphics and things like that. And it's like, buddy, this isn't the NBA. Like you're not 
you're not breaking Kristaps Porzingis trade to the Mavericks yep. like on the deadline day. Like, yeah. And it's and I, I think Mark Titus put it perfectly. Is nothing that Woj tweets, we won't find like him breaking it. We won't find out within like a few hours of that happening, no matter what. Like he's not. His purpose is obviously it's, it's breaking news, but it's not critical information that we wouldn't have found out either, like otherwise. And so that's yeah. why it sucks. It's like you're not do like no one's Woj isn't gaining followers or by breaking this like, and he's not changing the dynamic of the sport. He was going to put out himself, but you yeah. kind of just stole that moment. So I I hate it to be honest. It, yes, yeah. that was tough. Um, all right, James Madison. Can they do it? A couple of weeks ago, you said, can they run the non... I believe you said, can they run the non-conference table? Is that right? We sw- I think we start with that because I think it's just still, it's kind of like unrealistic to say, can they run the table? Not like, the whole table, but the, the non-conference. Table, yeah. And right now they're sitting at 9-0. They just, it's funny, they, they played at ODU last night. Um, first of three games this season because they had scheduled this series with ODU before they were in the Sun Belt. They honored it. <laughs> So they played as a non-conference game at ODU. ODU is the highest attended game in the 21-year history of that building. And it's an old, like they're both old CAA schools. And JMU won 84 to 69 on the road. Yeah. And so, like, I thought that was last night it was so reassuring because they hadn't really played a ton recently. They played Keystone and put up 130 points on Sunday. Yeah. Um, they played Buffalo, Buffalo. And, and Smoke, and Buffalo's not very good. Fresno, like. They've looked really, really good. They're the toughest game, honestly, the closest game they've had was Radford the night before college game day when they had Reese Davis sitting courtside and it was like hype. Yep. I think the biggest thing that ODU game shows like you're gonna get every every gym now because they're nine and oh and they're eighteenth and I think in the AP poll and they're only gonna keep climbing. Every gym you go into is gonna be packed. And so yeah. um my question to you is right so they are nine and oh. They have one game left on their, sorry, two games left on their schedule against top 100 opponents. And it's Appalachian State. They play them once at home, once yep. on the road. Appalachian State just knocked off Auburn at home, which credit to Bruce Pearl for scheduling that game wild. Past Appalachian State, the highest ranked team on their schedule, they have a they have one game against Louisiana. They'll probably play Akron um in that in the Sunbelt Mac challenge in, in February. So yep. like that'll be another big test. But if they've got right now, they're projected to go. It hasn't gone twenty-seven and three, and hasn't gone fifteen and three in conference. If they did that and lost, and and you say maybe you pick up two more wins in the tournament. So say you're, say they're twenty-nine and four, twenty. Like, are 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 you going to be able to get how many? What's the tipping point of being able to get in as an at-large for them? If they they're projected like you said projected record twenty seven and three fifteen and three they they God you would think they would have to but I bet you they don't my I think it's almost the same um, and I know it's a completely different team I mean they lost on I think it's almost the same as um, it's very similar to to Charleston last year mm-hmm. Charleston last year they started. 21 and one they lost their second game to north carolina then they lost two in a row to hofstra drexel like they they were a they went they were 31 and three they now they they beat wilmington in the championship and and didn't you didn't have to have that argument but they were 31 and three last year even with winning the caa tournament at 31 three they got in as a 12 seed and so and that's That's like you're not you're not putting at larges in with 
Yeah. You're not putting at larges in with uh as a 13. So like if they got in last year at 31 and 3 with the automatic bid, I think it like it it almost has to be almost has to be better, especially when like all of your outside of Appalachian State, all your in potentially Akron, yeah, all of your quality wins are in the rear view. Yeah. But it's still yep. really impressive what they're doing. Um, and they look awesome. They're like for the random fans that like don't follow because they're not from Harrisonburg, Virginia. So shout your Connecticut people, your kids in the game, people that listen, find a game and watch James Madison because they are really, really, really fun to watch. Yep. No doubt. Um, all right. That's it. Any final parting words? Will Tomlin from Kansas state find a home? Hmm. That's, it's a, that's a weird situation. Yeah. Yep. Um, Tough. Will he find a home? I don't know. Yeah. My uh, my only parting words is um, we the two of us were we fortunate to sit courtside for the Ohio ah, Bobcats the last week and and I was somehow sat courtside for Virginia the last game before that and it's I, I've I've gotten too bougie it's it's where it's I I it's can't sit elsewhere kind of sit, once you have feet on the wood it's hard to put feet on the on the on the concrete in the stands it's 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 too it gets it's it's awesome just being in the mix so shout out to the Bobbies um, and. An unreal win over over Delaware, which wow. we hate to see. But then and Delaware, then Delaware gets to, it. Yeah. Delaware gets it done against Xavier, and then other friend yep. of the program, Dante Jackson, last night gets it done over the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yep. Um, Xavier has held down the Cintas Center. I don't think Cincinnati's won at Xavier since I think it's like 2001. That Epic. place was absolutely jumping. Um, and I mean that that was that was a fun one to watch. It's not like the the top team in the Big East or the top team in the in the Big Twelve, but that rivalry it's like the absolute most underrated, I think, still rivalry in the country. And um, I'll just blast. I'll I'll give if we still had green light player of the week. I'm giving it to uh, Quincy Oliveri from Xavier. That dude is an absolute bucket. He's shooting forty six point two percent from three. Absolute like he went six of eight from three last night. Um, he had 27 points. He had 34 against Delaware after going five of 10 from three. Um, but absolute, absolute bucket. And so, um, we'll, we'll end on that note of the Ohio to Delaware to Xavier little, little triage there that, um, it all ended up with Xavier getting the win. So I love it. All right. Another big, another fun week of games next Saturday is going to be big time. Um, until then keep the ball bouncing. Lately I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull, slush, rustles up next and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.